Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It is Sunday afternoon here in the DMV, and we are got a bunch to discuss here. I just spoke with my pal and yours, Scott Jackson from 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980, as well as the Commanders uh, post-game show. Scott and I just went through a bunch of topics, uh, including uh kind of where we're at with the sales uh the sale of the franchise uh and the stadium talk does any of this even matter until Josh Harris is really in charge uh you know kind of are we are we unnerved by the quiet what are we where are we at with everything on that right now and then had some fun random conversations about Jamin Davis Sam Cosme the actual in emotional investment how much is there that Ron Rivera and staff is making into Sam Howell um talked about which player forget releasing somebody who who would you want to extend on the roster and uh we also uh got into I I brought this up uh yesterday during the Kentucky Derby if you're going to name a horse after the this franchise going back to whenever you want to go back to till now what are some terms you'd come up with We, we made our picks there as well. So we'll get to all that and more here on the podcast, which of course, make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. In fact, I'm just going to, I'll just pause for a minute here. Just go to your iTunes or wherever you do podcasting. If you haven't hit subscribe button, go find it. Standard room only. I'm, I'll wait here for you. Go find it. And uh, you will be good to go. You'll make me happy. Everybody, you make it, everybody gets happy when we do, um, when we do that. All right, so I appreciate that, and of course, also I would say, how about how about we say this? If you if you want to weigh in on what they should name the horse, if there was a horse, um, you can always hit me up on Twitter at Ben Standig, or why don't you leave your horse comment in the in the uh, if you're an iTunes person, do it there. Um, when when you drop in a five star rating, say something you, you like about the podcast, and ask, and then also mention the name of what you would name a horse based on this franchise. Cool. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, let's get to a couple of quick things here before we get to my conversation with Scott. Um, as I said, we we get to a lot of uh, some important topics, some interesting ones as well. But one thing I wanted to mention here at the top. So at during the draft, we we asked Ron Rivera when what's the deal with the offensive line coach opening? You know, John Matsko was let go right as free agency started. Or they parted ways with him. I'll say, um, what, what's going on? Travell Wharton's the assistant O-line coach. Is he going to get the job? Like, what's happening? And Rivera said that they um, will eventually promote Travell Wharton to offensive line coach, but that they needed to wait on ownership because there's some other moments in the mix here, in the balance, um, some other things, and. Uh, 
Okay. I mean, look, obviously, I think we all realistically get it. There's a lot of things in limbo, no matter what they say about things being normal, until the ownership deal gets gets done. But one thing I, I kind of find interesting is, and this, this was sparked by a conversation I had uh, with an agent the other day talking about this team, and, and he brought up Juan Castillo, who, of course, was the tight ends coach last year, but he is a noted offensive line coach. He's been an offensive line coach forever in, in, with, with the Eagles, with the Bears, um, with some other teams. Like a lot of coaches, he's done a few different things, but he's really been an offensive line coach. And this agent was saying to me just in, in passing that he thinks Juan Castillo is one of the five best um, offensive line coaches out there. And that if he had a player and he could, you know, had to, if, if the coach was a difference maker, he would steer somebody towards Castillo over most others. So therefore it's sort of odd that you have this guy, but you're not using him in that way. I, maybe Travell Wharton is the next Joe Bugle. I, I don't know. Um, seems like a fine young coach, but at the same time, this guy's already established himself and Wharton could stay in that spot. And, you know, Castillo's of a certain age. I don't know how much longer he's going to be coaching, et cetera. Here's what I think is going to happen. What I think is going to happen is they will elevate Travell Wharton to offensive line coach. I think they will also take their assistant tight end coach, Todd Storm, a name certainly does not get mentioned, not here, uh, a lot. Another guy who you, uh, I'll give you one guess where he used to, where he coached before Washington. Yes, Carolina. And what did he do at Carolina? He was primarily Pete Hainer's assistant. Uh, assistant, you know, Pete Hainer, the former tight end coach there and here. Uh, he was an offensive quality coordinator when he first got here. But he, in his bio on the team website, it says he helped out John Bates a lot. And then last year he was made the assistant tight end coach. So what I gather, this is my. Uh, sort of educated assumption, I guess you could say, is that they will elevate Wharton, elevate Storm, and Juan Castillo will be a bit of a hybrid between the two, but maybe he becomes the run game coordinator. You know, they everybody likes adding these pass game, run game coordinator titles, but that would be a way to get him more involved with the offensive line. And I do think that's going to be a huge deal again i'm not travel wharton might be totally fine and and ready to take on that job but again we've seen why castillo and other places handle it and handle it well someone else pointed out to me that if you look at the tight ends last year well, obviously there was not a lot of offensive production but they actually other than logan thomas they actually weren't bad at blockers i think cole turner and you know surprised people with how adept he was you know, again, not putting him in the Don Warren category for you oldsters out there, but just saying like he, he did a good job. Armani Rogers as well. We know John Bates has that in him. And I think a lot of that may have to do with the fact that Juan Castillo was uh, their coach. And the fact, look, he's not a tight end coach. I, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and tell you Todd Storm is the answer, but at least he's, it's a position he has been focused on for the last few years. So I think that could make some sense. And if Juan Castillo has more of a say in what goes on, with the offensive line, maybe, you know, maybe he doesn't, he's not going to be out there on the day-to-day grind in practice all the time in terms of, you know, running these guys through drills, but I imagine he would be more hands-on than last year when you had John Matsko. And then with his run game coordinator, if that is the way things shape out, shake out, then I think that gives him another way to sort of influence the line to, 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 to work towards the strengths and weaknesses 
of everybody involved. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. I'll, I'll be curious to see uh, when that happens. Again, if we're waiting truly for the new owner, then you know <laughs> it could be deep into the summer uh, before I mean you'd hope before training camp or whatever. But you know, past OTAs and mini camps and all that before we ever get any kind of word on uh, things like that. Um, but that's it. Uh, you know, we, we've got the various uh, rookie camps coming, um, rookie mini camp coming up here in a bit. We'll get a chance to see some of these guys out on the field as well as some of the other young holdovers who will be returning and then, then OTAs. And then of course, um, mini camp after that, there will be the uh, owners meeting in Minnesota later this month as well. That will be right as some of the mini camp stuff is going on. The media will be out there for one day for each of the sessions. I'll let you know when that is. Um, so that's coming up as well. All right, uh, let's get to it with Scott. A fun conversation. Uh, a lot of random questions. We talked about sort of the, the what's the conversation with this team in general. And then we got into some specifics, as I mentioned before, including just the idea of, is this team better? Let's see what we had to say. Uh, myself, Scott Jackson, here on the Standard Grim Only podcast. All right. Uh, look, um, we, we talk about the commanders here. Uh, it's sometimes fun to talk about the Wizards, but I got that out of the way right before we started talking with the guy here who can talk about both of these teams, and that is the great Scott Jackson. Uh, this is like a home and home, Scott. You had me on the radio today. Sorry, you had me and Lenny on the radio today. Uh, and now you and I are, are here talking, and uh, your Chloe may uh, jump in here as well. So excited yeah. to see what happens. Me too. Yeah, your your cat had a lot of in, had a lot of thoughts on the Commanders. I thought they were interesting and important. Uh, and my dog, who knows, she's she left the room, so she she must have thought, yeah, Commanders talk not so exciting. Or it was the pre taping of the Wizards discussion that scared her off. I don't know which it was. Certainly, the Wizards. Look, the Wizards conversation scares off a lot of a lot of people. There's no there's and no doubt. And animals, look, yeah, we, we can't say there have been no animals harmed in this uh, in this production when we're, if we're talking about the Wizards. Um, all right, enough of that. Uh, first off, uh, thank you for uh, doing this. It's a busy day for you with the likewise doing radio already today on 106.7 and, and uh, 980. Um, but you agreed to participate in whatever reindeer games I come up with here. Um, you know, I was thinking about this because obviously you were doing the radio today. Uh, I've been known to host a radio show before as well. And, you know, because I cover the commanders, that's always going to be a good part of whatever I'm going to talk about. But it's also typically because there's things to discuss. I've, have we hit a have we hit a moment here with the commanders, but also with DC sports in general, where it's kind of like there's not really that much to talk about with with urgency? I mean, the draft is over. We'll talk about some of that here. But like the draft is over. We're waiting for ownership. Meanwhile, the Nets, you know, if you want to talk about the prospects, fine, but they stink. The Wizards, you know, we're waiting for a GM thing. Uh, the Caps, I mean, you know, they're in this limbo. Yeah. So, like, is it is it is it a hard is it hard right now talking for a three to four hour radio show at this exact moment in time? Well, I mean, clearly the ownership sale, whatever, you know, that they can be boring and monotonous, but that is really the most important thing that's happening in town. Like, once that gets done you know, that everything else falls into place, but it's the waiting is the hardest part, uh, as Tom Petty once said. Uh, and, and that's probably it. But yeah, I mean, Doc and I talked about this a few weeks back. I don't even know if we got to it on the radio, but it is really a bad time in town in terms of the teams. You've got one team that's in, you know, a big time rebuild in the, in the, in the Nats. And at least they're saying it's a rebuild, right? And they're, they're not 
making any bones about it. They got a ways to go. Um, the Caps are kind of in this limbo mode where they're trying to hang in there. You know, there's another big ball season as they want to keep trying to put their best foot forward with Alex Ovechkin, but you got obviously a lot of aging players. You got contracts. You got things going on there. The Wizards, you know, shockingly, I'll say this, they've given you a little bit of hope in the sense that they are at least looking on the outside to get some ideas uh, with the GM. Whether or not they actually follow through with that remains to be seen, obviously. And then with the Commanders, it's weird because it has not been – as you and I have discussed over and over, the most entertaining offseason in terms of moves. I think it started off with a bit of a splash with the Deron Payne thing because nobody saw it coming, assuming we had to wait for everything. Now, as of last week, you hear that they can't even elevate an assistant coach to an offensive line you know, position because <laughs> the uh, ownership thing hasn't been settled. So it seems like they're at a stalemate a little bit there. And we just had this draft where, you know, all intents and purposes was, you know, they hit a lot of neat areas and, and some things were were a hit, but let's face it, it wasn't Eagles draft. You know, it wasn't, it's, it's not changing people's perception on the outside uh, of this market about what this team might be next year. Not that that matters because they get to play games and they keep scores and, and records and everything, but it wasn't like a, wow, this was like next level stuff kind of, kind of uh weekend for them. Well, uh, if anything, which, it's going the other way. Cause as you pointed right? out to me, they're going backwards radio, in terms of Vegas, right? Ve- yeah. Vegas has their drop their win total. And I think that is a direct reflection on people are like they're not really going with Sam Howell, right? Yeah, right. And then you get through the draft, you're like, oh, I guess, I guess they really are. And uh, yeah, so it's if anything, yeah, it's going down, not, not up. Yeah, and again, you know, there's just it's just a, a real thirst for this Commanders thing to get wrapped up. I think because the other teams aren't giving you anything really to chew on. I mean, hey, if the Wizards, you know, tomorrow announce Bob Myers is the new president of basketball operations, okay, maybe maybe that changes the course of everything uh suddenly but i i don't i just don't you know obviously that's probably not happening i got a better chance of hitting powerball and mega millions in the same uh back-to-back nights but exactly so yeah i mean i, I think we're just we just kind of we're kind of in this pattern of we're in a holding pattern and you know according to roger goodell's timetable and it makes sense what he said you know you're thinking two weeks from now ish the commander's thing could be headed to the next phase of approval and then hopefully by early june you know everything's closed they hand the keys over and we get to have the Josh Harris press conference, whatever that looks like. And, you know, he kind of lays out what his vision is, you know, for, for the program. Because right now, a lot of people that, frankly, we don't know if they're even going to be employed in a few months, let alone a year from now, are doing a lot of the talking for the franchise. And it's kind of awkward sometimes because you listen, oh, that's really cool. And that makes sense. <laughs> and then you're like, well, wait a minute. I don't even know this person's going to be here. Why, why, why am I even putting any stock in what they're saying? Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, that last part you said about why am I putting stock kind of how I feel about anytime the stadium comes up for, for discussion right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, uh, I know the Washington post reported the other day that the, you know, the commanders are talking to people, but in DC, you know, the, the federal government as well as the locals. And I mean, sure. But like one, right. it's not, it's not new, but secondly, I don't know that any of these people will be relevant. The second, the Josh Harris, takes over they might be i mean he might be he might lean on the jason wright world to steer the stadium conversation because they have been the ones doing that for the last you know couple of years and at the same point they may be like i no, we're we're cleaning house on that side of the building we we you know josh harris is not a rookie when it comes to being a sports owner he's done this now with other teams so he may have his own idea so that's why yeah it is sort of and and then of course obviously on the football side you know, when Rivera talks about anything that is beyond the next season, 
I understand the instinct of why he's doing it, but the reality is it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean anything because he may not be here beyond this year. Yeah. I mean, unless he wins, forget it. I mean, all bets are off at that point, but yeah, agreed. Yeah. It is interesting about that part. Unless of course, you know, Hey, the Harris group, but again, if we're talking several months, these things have been going on. I, I don't think they were that far down the road where they felt confident enough to be reaching out to current employees and saying, Hey, I need you to go to this meeting and lobby for DC. No, I mean, that's going to be something, frankly, I believe like a Magic Johnson, uh, you know, in, in addition to Josh Harris and maybe Mitchell Rails is involved in that too. Or even a guy like Mark Ion, who's had a deal with the city through his work with City Open and the Castles, would probably have a better idea of, you know, where to go with that kind of stuff, uh, you know, instead of people that are, you know, in, in a weird spot right now where we, again, don't know if they have employment uh, beyond the next season or even up to the next season, especially like on the office side. But that stuff could turn over quickly. Like, I don't think there's any way Ron Rivera is not the head coach week one, right? Like, you know, unless right. he decides to step away, he's going to have that job. It's too late in the process to replace a coaching staff or a head coach, but it it is in terms of like the front office part of it. We saw this even with Snyder and he was hired. His, his approval didn't come until very late, but remember when they were in that limbo mode for a while, he had Vinny Serrato on the ground there. Like it was kind of like overlooking Charlie. And then he got in there, you know, was like, even though he wasn't the guy in the beginning, he was just kind of watching and taking his notes and was, had the ear of the owner. He was the hand, if you will, uh, you know, more so than Charlie really got the opportunity to be at that point. So that's what will be to me, the most important part of when we see the Josh Harris pressers, Hey, I've named so-and-so's coming in here to be whatever they'll call him. Uh, and they'll come in there and, and probably spend time with the Martins and watch how the process works and how the donuts are made and see if they uh, and tell tell their boss what they think about it. Right. If, if if of the main principles, meaning Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew as the head of the front office, essentially, and Jason Wright, Ron Rivera is the only one that I would put pretty feel guaranteed he will be here through the season, at least up until the point where, you know, if unless he gets like Jay Gruden where they start off yeah. terrible and, the, and Josh Harris says, okay, enough. But other than that, yeah, they could make complete wholesale changes in the front office, uh, especially at the executive level and the Jason Wright side. Or they could just do nothing and let let it all play out and give everybody the chance to see what happens. They could also decide, no, we're good. We like it. We talked to everybody. We liked everybody. That seems unlikely just because of how these things tend to work. But at the same point, yeah, there is so much uncertainty here that that's why so many statements that go beyond the next season or in some cases the next month or two uh don't even seem to like i need to, i need a lot more information before i'm going to be willing to say uh yeah this is the plan going forward no matter what we're talking about here yeah no doubt and um again with um and you could even say this even if they got off to a horrendous start you know this is the guy of course who was part of the sixers process why why, why interrupt it <laughs> if that's what's happening let it take its course caleb well, williams to dc baby i well, mean I, seriously if it were a bad start like and you're this guy and you're like yeah i'll let him finish the season you know well, why why try to save the season at this point it's my first year um you know we got a couple of quarterbacks up in this upcoming draft especially if you're you know it's because how is bad or whatever you know what i mean so like there's so many ways to look at it i mean i don't think they'll be that bad but again Crazier things have happened. Well, ironically, if they started off, say, one and four, one and five, the the thing to do would be get rid of Rivera because every year they have a midseason comeback and get the 500. <laughs> Stop him from making the run back. We don't right. want you to make the run. Right. right. No, 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 no. And, You're and doing... Maybe that's why Ron's so comfortable because he knows about the process and he's done his homework on Harris. He's like, you know what? I got this. I figured this thing out for this year, Josh. Here's what we're going to do. How much, because uh, obviously you're doing a lot of things, yeah. how much were you paying attention to the press conferences during 
the draft or the or all these Jason Wright interviews he's done over the last few days with Pat McAfee and CNBC and things like that. I, there's a reason I'm asking. But how much have you paid attention to? Quite a bit, actually. I've, I've watched all of them. I'm embarrassed to say. I mean, I was fascinated by the breakdown about how the interns got a say in the draft process. Uh, if the people were nice and the ride over and they did small talk and held the doors, I guess, for people. I thought that was interesting uh, as well. Um, they're really excited about having the Boy Scouts of America uh, on the team this year. And that's fine if you win. If you don't win, nobody's going to be excited about, you know, everybody's, you know, got graduate school classes and A's and B's or whatever. And that's all fine. And I'm glad they're good young men. I hope they can play football. I mean, let's, let's be real. I mean, there's 90 people when you start training camp or whatever the hell it is. You got to find the best 53 football players. Uh, and then we'll be excited about that. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. I didn't think the guys they had here were bad people. I mean, I, quite frankly, I mean, they've had a couple issues here off the field over the last few years, and those guys are gone now, including a trainer that had a problem that they brought in um, that is gone. So, I mean, you, that happens. I mean, it happens in sports. You get things that go wrong and you move on. I mean, that's just, just the way it is. I mean, but, you know, to like kind of prop up your draft class because of, you know, all the character guys and that's super, but the Eagles are the ones that seem to have got the guys that look like flat out ballers. And maybe one of their guys has a negative character uh, review, but yeah. you know, as long as he gets it together when he's with the Eagles, that's what matters. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, p- part of why I was asking if you've p- been watching them, uh, cause for a story that I'll have up uh, on Monday morning, depending when people hear this, that basically it's about how whenever Josh Harris gets the team, that's when effectively the, interviews will begin with the with people who are on staff except that they're already doing it now they're they're not waiting they're not waiting for josh harris to ask questions that's why on the on the day on the day two of the draft uh they had the emmanuel forbes introductory press conference a couple hours before the draft got started and before he came out rivera just randomly comes out and starts talking about Basically, I, 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 you know, it's the football equivalent of how a bill became a law, you know, the commercial from or the cartoon from <laughs> yes. years ago. Yeah. Well, it starts at the area scout and then it goes to here and it goes to there. And it wasn't particularly shocking, but right. at the same point, he went through the steps. And I think part of it was to give credit to his staff. Uh, you know, sure. to, to, it's not just, uh, I, mean, I think, I think he's pretty candid about the fact that, like, look, he's, you know, he's busy coaching. He gets the information after the year and a lot of steps. But anyway, it was, interesting to hear it and every there were so many moments like that with things that he said with Mayhew said Jason Wright said in interviews that yeah they can say whatever they want about business as usual but they all know there is somebody out there paying attention maybe somebody's depending on if if there are people going to come in like we discussed before and they're all aware of that and and it's interesting to hear um to, to hear that well, um, and let's also know this, this dude, um, Ben, there's an owner that was in, did it, was in the process, and it might be this owner, or may not, that was talking to Sean Payton about interest level of coming in here and being the guy. And, and Sean Payton wasn't coming here to help Ron. He was here to take his job. So if, if he would have been brought in. So, yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's campaign season. I've been calling it on the radio um, going on right now with them. I feel like everything is like a campaign. And the, the level of detail I've learned about this process is is quite funny. Um, because I just think about like a guy like Belichick, who's, you know, usually been pretty good, although their drafts aren't always the best, uh, people that have been successful, at least at the highest levels, they don't do this. Um, Greg Popovich doesn't share all this crap with you. I mean, it's just the, the people that are like the, the best at usually what they do and have been around the longest and most successful. They're not, they're not giving you every piece of information and you don't have to be transparent. I mean, th- you know, that's BS. You don't, <laughs> you, don't you really don't, if you, if you're good. And if you know what you're doing, you probably don't feel the need to explain yourself all the time. But I would love to, you know, like check the notes on some of the stuff we're hearing from them and see if 
like this is part of like the Sixers mantra or the Devils. And it, it almost, you know, I mean, have they done research on those two franchises to kind of get a feel for what they're dealing with and how they should mold their conversation? I don't know if we're being played that, at that deep of a level, but I'm with you. I do feel like a lot of this is, is a campaign season thing going on. And at the end of the day, you know, you can you can talk your way, you know, I guess at least into the good graces of this person. But if the results are not there, that's the thing that should matter because bottom line, another seven and nine and one or eight, eight, eight and one or you know, eight and nine, eight, nine and one, what the hell it would be is not going to cut it. Yeah, for sure. Well, one thing that's funny, and this is going to sound hilarious, considering how people have been so nervous with good reason that Dan Snyder is going to get involved uh, with with player personnel transactions. I, you know, I think for the most part, he hasn't during the Ron Rivera right. era. No, and, he hasn't. And, and Rivera, when I spoke to him at the owners meeting, he was really passionate about saying, no, give him credit for at least sit, agree, honoring what he told me when he hired me in the first place. We can all debate whether it's good or bad, but whatever you think of Rivera, you'd rather the football people making the decisions than than Dan Snyder. That said, they have been so conservative that I almost kind of wonder if they stay with Josh Harris, because if, if you look at Josh Harris's track record with the Sixers, I, I admittedly don't know much about the Devils. Um, from what I gather, we had their, the Sixers uh, reporter for the Athletic on here a couple weeks ago. He basically said that he thinks what, what Josh Harris does is he doesn't get involved in the day-to-day level, but he wants to know what's happening and why, but he's not really sort of saying you should do this or you should do that. Where he's been aggressive, though, is with some of the front office and coaching hires, you know, including like Daryl Morey, right now the GM of that team, who is like the face of analytics in, in North America for sports analytics. And so I guess I wonder on that front is like, would would a new would he come in and it would be more aggressive, whether it's the Rivera staff and not this year the transactions are done basically but would they be more aggressive going forward whether because he's giving them more of a push for that or he brings in people to 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 do that because that's been the like i don't think this is a knock that people discuss enough here i just think they're kind of overly conservative with what they do there's other than re-signing their own guys they just haven't done a ton um and they come uh, off comfortable to me, I'll be honest. I think it comes off like a comfortable staff, like, like, Hey, they're cool with just making slow steps. Whereas, you know, like that weird conversation last year where he's saying, well, it's quarterback and it's time. And you're like, well, wait a minute. The, the guy in New York has got a quarterback. He didn't even want <laughs> at the time. Right. And now they've since extended him and, and he's done it without his people. The receivers were terrible and all this other stuff. And you're like, this doesn't make sense. Sirianni had been there two years. Um, the guy in Dallas has been there the same amount of time. Have you been there? So it's just like, come on, stop with the excuse making. But I always feel like they come off comfortable. And to, to drive home the first point you made, I talked a little bit about this right here today. You think Mike Shanahan wouldn't have liked Dan Snyder on double secret probation and you know the key card taken away and just have to deal with <laughs> yeah. Tanya every every other day or whatever? Or Jay Gruden? You think Jay would have been happy if Dan wouldn't allow in the war room the night that they took the pick from him? I mean, come on. So he's had the run of the roost, as I like to say, and he's been the decider. He's had a lot more power and more ability to do some things. Yes, there's been larger amounts of noise on the outside, but they have told us over and over, Ben, and Jason Wright almost fell into this trap this week on the CNBC thing where he said, look, you know, this hasn't been a distraction, right? It hasn't been a distraction, right? They all say that. But then Jason Wright said, this, it will be nice for Ron to have a season where he doesn't have to hear about all this stuff. Even though it hasn't, we're not making an excuse for it, but yeah, you kind of are, you know? So that's like the new narrative is put out there. There's no vanilla ice cream left on Jack Del Rio's desk, as far as we know, over the last uh, three plus seasons. You know, Scott Turner, as miserable as he was at the time, uh, he wasn't brought down to tears like his poor dad was, apparently, when Dan was here, when he came in the locker room, cursed him out after Dallas lost. None of that stuff's happened. So No, no milk under Ron, right, right. Ron's <laughs> office? They didn't stick it under their office, just the learners. Sweet. But whatever. I mean, all these things, 
that we've learned about him over the years that were just awful. You know, all the stuff that the ghosts of Christmas past have certainly come back as they've joked about it or whatever, or use that terrible term. But yeah, I mean, like his track record's caught up to him finally uh, with all this stuff. But it's they've had the ability to kind of spread their wings pretty big. But they put more of an imprint on this franchise. I mean, Ron's been able to hire a lot of people. He's hired family. I mean, he's had a lot of a lot of things at his disposal that you know a lot of the other coaches would have liked too. Not to say there hasn't been family members and staff support because there has, but there's just there's a lot about this. Like he said, he's made it a place in the office that's you know uh, you know conducive for his daughter to come to work, which is great. It should have been that way always, right? And all these other things, and that's great. And at the end of the day, though, you know, it's still going to come down to have you won enough games? And they, to this point, going into year four, they've got to get that part right. I mean, or it's not going to matter about all the wonderful things you've done and, you know, all the off-field awards. And nobody cares. I mean, they, they want you to win football games because that's what you're here to do. All right. Let, let's get to um, some football things I've been thinking about. We've talked plenty about the draft here on the podcast over the last week, if you've missed it. Two great podcasts. The last one of the Logan Paulson was really in depth, and then also had one with uh, Mark Bullock. Uh, let's talk about those some random things that I just feel like I haven't discussed enough or crossed my mind. Uh, this is about as random as it gets. Okay, who do you think is more important, or they need a bigger year from in twenty twenty three? And I'm going to go back to the twenty twenty one draft for my two choices. Okay. A, first-round pick, Jamin Davis, because everybody keeps lamenting about the fact that nothing was done much to linebacker. I mean, we'll see if Barton is just a swap out for for Cole Holcomb, but it doesn't feel like it's like some massive addition, but it could be fine. There's also questions about the depth. Then the other one is Sam Cosme, who is moving to guard, right? At least that's what appears to be the plan. And a lot of people have said he coming into the league that he may be better off ultimately playing guard. That's where he could really be a, a bigger asset. But at the same point, it's going to be relatively new for him. And at least in the NFL, he's been hurt a lot the last two years. The left guard spot is just a complete mystery at this point. So, and, and I think the line in general still is a bit underwhelming. So who do you think is that this team needs more out of this year? Jamin well, Davis w- or Cosme? Right. Well, I was going to say Cosme just because he's a star, you know, he, they, they need the offensive line to be so good and I need to get something out of him. But I do think they actually have maybe more options behind him because they've got all these flex guys that they they tell you about, right? Like these guys could play guard and tackle and some that play center. So in reality, just because of the lack of depth, I mean, it almost feels like it, I, I would say it's more Davis, even though, as we discussed often, they have kind of figured out a way to de-emphasize the linebacker position by using the Buffalo players, and they've got so many DBs and what have you. But they've got to at least have one linebacker they can count on a consistent basis. He was a first-round pick, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Davis, but it's close because I can certainly make a case for how why he's got to show you something. But let's be real; they they survived last year without Cosme and stretches. Um, you know even though it wasn't as a guard, but as a tackle with, with Lucas. And I do think they have more flexibility there. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't really, this was one where I don't think there's a wrong answer, but, but just for the Cosme side of it, I mean, the, my issue with the offensive line, look, just staying healthier could be good enough for them to be better. And maybe they will be more athletic without Trey Turner and Andrew Norwell guards. They obviously were not, you know, hitting the second level of the defenders and things like that. And then, of course, there was the, the cycle of centers over, you know, uh, for the second year in a row. Sure. But they don't have, for me, they don't have 
that upside anywhere on the line, except maybe if Cosme is, I don't want to say a pro bowl player, but a guy who does make a, a legit impact, not just existing, but like, you know, if John Madden was doing the game, he'd be like, look at this guy, bam, boom, you know, all that kind of stuff. Hey, wham. But, you know, I, and then when you factor in, you have a new center who uh, we'll see. I mean, Nick Gates, uh, you know, we'll see what he can do. And then left guard, what are we looking at? Chris Paul or Sadiq Charles at the moment? So, yeah. uh, you know, that interior part of the line, well, I'll just assume that Leno and Wiley are fine. I, I, I just feel like they're going to need something out of that part. And look, maybe Gates is the better version of what they've had before, but I would like to see um, Cosme step out. I do think that's going to be huge because if not, the offensive line is just basic. Yeah. You know, they've obviously got a lot of, they'd have a lot of questions then. Um, all right. Let me ask you is buy or sell. Okay. Are you buying or selling this team is really that into Sam Howell <laughs> as the starter to the degree that they keep that has been discussed right. now for three months. I still think their biggest, the biggest thing that they like about Sam Howell is what a lot of the fans discussed in media last year, which was his contract. And that's really probably not the place to start a relationship. But that being said, just uh, I'll go just based off of the way they have conducted their business this offseason. And we can talk about the way last season ended, how Taylor Heineke had to force them to get him on the field and all that stuff. Um, I will say, sure, I'll, I'll go with it just based on, again, you know, didn't swing big on quarterbacks. You had a chance. You could have even said, hey, you could have sold it to us, right? Hey, we didn't do anything. It wasn't anything about Sam. Was this our board? Like, here's Will Levis. I mean, he was high on our board or Hendon Hooker, right? You could have sold it that way if you would to grab one of those guys um, in the draft because they fell. So I, I wouldn't have been – that wouldn't have been crazy uh, to me. If they had done that, I would have thought there was no problem with it. But, yeah, I mean, again, because they haven't touched anything else, it really feels like the more I watch this offseason, the more they really thought Scott Turner ruined everything, <laughs> including the line, you know, and the way they were schemed up. I mean, they really blamed a lot of protections on him, too, it feels like. But, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and buy it, even though I think where we started this – why it got started there and how it got started is awkward and then maybe not the prettiest of things. Uh, I'll go ahead and buy that they are into him and sold on him because of the way they conducted their offseason. Yeah. I mean, I think they genuinely think he's intriguing, and I, I concur. I continue to dismiss this idea that they were going to – that they viewed him as like some – Second round, yeah. Option. I mean, give me a break. I don't care. Carson Wentz. I know they had just gotten Wentz. He was on a one year deal, more or less. I mean, right. yeah, he could have had a really good year. They keep him, but you don't know that. So the idea that you would have passed on a quarterback, they didn't just pay. You know, they traded out of the fourth round to move down to get him. Yep. Get. I, I don't buy that. But okay, they they find him intriguing. Fine. Um. Right. All right. Uh. But th- th- and, and I still also think that. I don't know what the odds are if, if Vegas were to have odds on is Sam Howe the week one starter. Whatever it is, I would like I wouldn't take it probably. Really? Oh, many, week one. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. Sure. I just don't think it's nearly the lock that people have portrayed it because right. Jacoby Brissett is here. They made him the highest paid of the stop Gabby backup quarterback types. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Rivera and as we just discussed, B enemy too. And you know, Sam Howe's going to have to look legit good quickly for them to be like, yeah, yeah, we're good. We're we're confident losing early on for the payoff. 
they may not be around for the payoff. So, well, that's true too. And again, this goes back to the stuff we we're talking about earlier, Josh Harris and whatever the conversations are with him. Like what if he comes in and just like really blunt in his meeting with him says, Hey, if you guys don't win, you know, so many games to get in the playoffs, you're done. You know, like what, you know, like he just lays it out. I don't know if he'd be that blunt or not, but let's just say he does then. Yeah. Suddenly the competition would really be a competition, not like a, Hey, let's set this up for Sam to win it. Cause you really want to get a good look at him. And also, you know, we need uh, the schedule predictor Kevin Sheehan here to tell us what right. the schedule is going to look like. But that's going to be another thing. Are they playing early games against, and I'm not saying any of these, who knows who's good at this point, but the Falcons and the Bears versus right. the uh, Eagles and Cowboys? Like, that could be a huge right. difference. Or the 49ers and Chiefs or something crazy like that, you know? No doubt. I mean, that, that's a good point, too. We just don't know. I mean, last year, we all thought they were tailor-made to have this big, fast start. And, of course, they, you know, they didn't do anything with it. Right, right, right. They had the right. usual start, which is not good enough. Right, and they're playing the AFC East this year, which is the yep. equivalent of what the NFC East was. All those teams could, in theory, make the playoffs. And, you know, if the Patriots are the last going to be projected to pick finishing fourth, obviously they're not going to be a cakewalk with Belichick around. So um, we'll see how that goes. All right, let's go to a different one. So they obviously this week or this past week released Chase Ruye. You know, not a surprise. Injuries just unfortunately wrecked his last two years and hit a huge cap number. He had the fourth highest cap number on this team for this year going before the release. So let me ask you this. Rather than discuss who might else get released, I think Andrew Norwell is the easy sure. call. But beyond that, let's go the other way. If they want to save money towards this year's cap, which they probably still do a little bit, even if it's not even so much about signing more players now, but maybe it's also about having room during the season when injuries happen and things like that. Number one on the cap list is John Allen. He's not going anywhere. But numbers two, three, and the now four with Rui gone are Curtis Samuel, Charles Leno, Kendall Fuller. Let me make the case for each of these guys as to why they could or okay. could not get extended, and then you decide who uh, who you would extend, if anyone. Uh, Curtis Samuel's number two on the list. He's 27 years old. He's got a $13 million cap hit this year, and then it goes into an expiring contract. There's some void years. Blah, blah, blah. Obviously, he had a better year last year. We got to see a better, uh, the more expected version of him, lightning quick. I'm really intrigued to see how he plays in an Eric Bieniemy offense. If it looks anything like the Chiefs, the way they use their guys, like him, you know, uh, you know, quick lightning quick kind of guys. But they also have Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dodson, and I don't think you have to say he's got to stick around. But you know, if you're committed to this sort of look this is the kind of guy you might want to keep around and maybe extend him lower the cap number for this year. Charles Leno, number three, he's 32 right now. He's got a $12.5 million cap hit. He's on the books for next year, but it's a $14 million cap hit with a 2.25 million dead cap. So right now, one of the problems I had with their draft is there is no uh, obvious replacement for Charles Leno at this point. I mean, we'll see what Braden Daniels does, but, He's sort of Cosme, like some people think he's going to be better at guard. But you can't cut Leno right now because who else would they even put in there at this point? And then you got Kendall Fuller, 28 years old, an $11.625 million cap hit this year, another free agent after this year. They just drafted Emmanuel Forbes, so you could say, well, there's the replacement if you move on. But on the other hand, he's experienced, he's reliable, he's a veteran in that locker room. Um you need cornerbacks and he's not old at 28. Maybe at some point I have to decide, maybe he ultimately has to move to safety or something. But beyond that, you know, 
so of those guys, if I if you you have the choice, you have the checkbook, you have the pay con, checkbook. Nobody uses a checkbook. If right. you have if you have the the the, the, the electronic the, the, check. Right, the paperwork to get this done, and you and you have to pick one of them. Which one would you look to extend? Well, uh, I mean, it's tough. I mean, but, but you're saying of Samuel Leno and obviously Fuller. right? Because again, the point would be that you can extend it, and then drop their cap number sure. this year, and then feel better. You know, do some other things if you want. So, like Fuller, obviously, there's more depth potential depth behind him, even though you still it's unknown depth because they're younger guys. There's no depth behind Charles Leno, like you just mentioned. I mean, really, Cornelius Lucas, more than likely, if something happened to Leno, would be your starting left tackle, right? I mean, you right. just flip him over to that side because he can play both. And he did it a couple seasons ago. Um, and then Curtis Samuel, I'm with you. I think of all the guys, and this is also I've been thinking about this since the draft, where they didn't get a J.D. McKissick replacement, so to speak. Instead, they got more of a you know a power back, more of a, you know quite frankly, a, a backup to Robinson uh, in the draft pick, uh, Rodriguez out of Kentucky. I, I kind of look at it like, you know what? I mean, Ms. Samuel's your home run guy, right? Like he's the, he's the explosive change of pace guy. And they put him in the backfield a ton last year. Right, he basically got, is the McKissick replacement, right? He's the McKissick guy. He, he's the most intriguing in the offense. So from that standpoint, I, I'd like to see them have more than another year with him, especially if you assume if the enemy survives all that happens, no matter what happens this year, right? If you think the enemy is the guy who's safe and, who knows? Maybe he's your head coach, uh, <laughs> depending on how the offense looks. If even the season falls apart, but but the Leno thing, I mean, it's just what it, what it does. I, I would I'd be willing to roll the dice because he's older. I'd be willing to let him, you know, not worry about it and, and try to find a replacement either next year's draft or free agency. But that is a little scary that they haven't addressed the left tackle really. You know, in terms of backing him up, I mean, they kind of lucked out the first year after Trent. You know, Lucas was good enough. Uh, then they got Leno, you know, on the cheap the next year in the offseason. But I just say based on age and what and, and the guy again that was really the the prize of the offseason is Eric Bieniemy. I mean, he's he's really your prize, you know, that in resigning pain. Like the best thing you did, you want to believe is Eric Bieniemy. I would think Samuel seems like the guy that would really could be, you know, an X factor kind of player with with that offense. So I, I would say you know, keep him around. And I think we saw last year, some of that explosiveness come back as he finally was in the field most of the season. Yeah. I think I would, I, I, I'm typically the one here preaching don't invest too much in receiver. Cause you can find some of these guys, but I actually think of these three, I think Samuel is the one I would probably roll the dice with because of the B enemy factor. I mean, even if you extend him for say two more years, John Dodson is not a free agent for right. three more years. And then he still has the fifth year option after that. So you're not in danger of sort of overspending there. I mean, obviously you've got to do a deal with it's in reason and maybe Samuel would prefer to hit the market versus not. But like, I think I would probably go that route. Leno, I wouldn't, I just hope I can figure out a replacement next year if I need to. And with Fuller, like I'd like to keep him, but you know, again, by just using the first round pick on Forbes, you know, at least I have another option there if, if I decide to move on from Fuller. So I think Samuel's where I would go, uh, which for me is sort of surprising, but. I, I yeah, think me too. Cause I was, I didn't even want to draft a wide receiver in round one last year. I was like, yeah, right. save it for the second day or, or yeah, the third day. Same. I wasn't even worried about it, but yeah, I mean, when you look at just seeing him this year and the things they could do with him and just knowing the way the chiefs do offense and the way they are so creative, I think it would, I, it's very intriguing to me of all the guys be, you know, people bring up Gibson a lot and certainly, He'll have a role, and that will be, you know, maybe more suited to him catching the ball more. 
But I, to me, Samuel is the guy I'm sure the enemies thought long and hard about and, and probably has some real cool stuff set up for. All right. I, I have one more team broad question, but I'm going to sneak okay. in. I'm sneaking in one I didn't tell you about. Okay, good. I tweeted about this yesterday. I think you chimed in as one of the people. Okay. The <laughs> Kentucky Derby was yesterday. Yes. So I, I, I was coming up with names that you could come up for, name a horse based yep. on what's gone on here over time. Some of it more recent, some of it going back in the past. A lot of people weighed in uh, with their thoughts. I'm going to, uh, I, I, I narrow the list down to about 10. I'm going to okay. let you pick the horse. Here are the ones I did not include on the list, just for the record. Uh, Code Red. I think that's, a, that's absolute, a good one. That's a good one. Uh, Osaka. I think that works. <laughs> um, I didn't put the old ball coach in part yeah. because that was it, not, Spurrier had that before yeah. he even got here, but nonetheless right uh the rigo drill i like it rigo drill and somebody threw in marlena uh for jack ken cook's uh, uh interesting ex-wife yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you know that's a that's yeah. a that's a fun one just to even contemplate for a minute another one i didn't add to the list but actually this might be the winner on some level colt mccoy uh yeah you're naming I, a I, horse yeah you might get like a lawsuit like it might be a cease and desist but yeah i don't know colt might like it too <laughs> right all right here's the here's the actual <laughs> ones on the list we got to pick from these lists okay uh sandy baby in honor of course john Riggs selling yeah. supreme court justice sander uh, sander day o'connor to loosen up sandy baby an all-timer to this day i'm still amazed when i was a kid i was like i don't understand or is that like basically royalty how are you how, right. how is he not thrown in jail what i don't understand what's happening here that was the epitome of who john riggins was that was awesome. the supreme court justice uh speaking of that 70 chip was a was a mention often obviously the play that the Riggins ran against the Dolphins for the winning uh, or for the go-ahead touchdown. Uh, I, I, I'm sure this one you 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 will like in honor of the Sherm Lewis uh, moment in time here. The bingo caller. Yes. I, I, what is he doing now? I understand he's been calling some bingo. That was the most awkward awkward uh, conference call in the history of conference calls, and there was a lot of them. I mean, that's just an all-timer. David Aldridge uh, was among the people that had that one. Mm. Um, this one. Uh, uh, this is a nod towards playfulness when yeah. Clinton Portis was here and he would have characters. One of them was yes. Southeast Jerome. Southeast Jerome. Yeah. Might be a good one. Um, Sheriff going to get you. It was my favorite uh, Clinton character. Sheriff going to get you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously a classic one here with Kirk cousins. You like that? Yes. I mean, I feel like I can see that for, for a horse coming around. Sure. Um, a nod to Bruce Allen. It's a little long, but winning off the field. Yeah. That's really good. Uh, now this is my Bruce Allen one that I put into the entry and I like damn good culture. Yeah. Damn good culture is actually a pretty good name for a horse. <laughs> uh, yeah. I like that one. Um, I, I had forgotten this one when I put out my original list embarrassed, but happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, uh, another one back to, to Riggins. When, when he, when he said he was coming back, he said, I'm bored, I'm broke, I'm back. So the horse would be yeah. bo- bored, broke back. Um, And then it's a, a nod to the current administration position flex. Yes. That was mine. Yep. And last one, somebody threw this out there. I didn't tweet it. Cause I was like, I don't know, but I'll throw it here. Guys, guys, guys. <laughs> when Rivera uh, was giving his grief over Curtis Samuel, uh, asking too much about Curtis Samuel. Yeah. Um, so those are the options. I mean, I've got some favorite. I think Catch Radius should have made the cut. I think catch oh, Radius is Catch Radius good. is a really good one too for yeah, sure. Catch Radius um, and Position Flex. I'm kind of 
kind of stuck on because that was you know the, the most recent stuff but you know damn good culture is is pretty awesome but uh, yeah, like horse names it's usually it's like usually two names like two words right like it's never really too much longer than that like you know happy thanksgiving is kind of funny too because that kind of just encapsulates everything right i took one i took i added originally but i didn't include here was indemnification oh indemnification actually <laughs> like that sounds like a cake. good because this is a one-name horse. It's perfect. Indemnification down the stretch. Right, right. Indemnification on the outside. A firm secretariat. running out of steam. Oh, indemnification's right. not going to happen. Sorry. Right. A firm secretariat indemnification. <laughs> I'm with it. I actually like indemnification the best. Um, all right. To, to keep it positive, my, my choice would yeah. be uh, Sandy Baby. But, yeah, Sandy uh, Baby's good. But, yeah, uh, indemnification sounds exactly like a horse name. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, um damn good culture would be uh amusing yeah damn uh, good culture is amusing and uh again i like position flex down the stretch or catch radius or you know yeah trying to make a push but yeah so those are all good i mean there's just so many of them and bingo caller that that's that's good that is an un you know that's one of those ones that needs like a 30 for 30 i didn't even okay. include uh swinging gate speaking swinging of, gates uh, a good one yeah i had i had maroon and black uh <laughs> Yeah, you know there's... what? Zorn was ahead of his time because honestly, right now it looks more maroon and black than than um, burgundy and gold. So, yeah, or as my friend Rick Walker calls it the cranberry and whites. <laughs> um, all right, last one for you. Yeah, is this team actually better? Like, obviously, we'll see right. when they play, and you know, with the rookies, obviously, it's hard to to know until they get out there and all that kind of stuff. And be but you've got the enemies, a huge mystery. Could be great. Could be. You know, could be a disaster. Right. We have no idea. Again, we talked about the offensive line. Doesn't feel like it's been a major right. upgrade. Sam Howell's a total wild card with a, with the one career start. And even if we're saying Jacoby Brissett, like, is he actually that much better than th what they've had here with the, with these sort of stopgap types the last uh, right. a few years? Uh, you know, who you know who who's to say? And then, um, you know, you're getting Chase Young back, and that could be great. But he also is, we don't another kind of mystery plus the defense just in general the idea that they're really good last year project to be good again but you know there, there can be some ups and downs etc so are they actually better i feel like they're better but they i don't think they got better enough to be like oh yeah man like vegas is stupid i would bet again you know i'd take my house and my neighbor's house and bet on it you know that kind of thing i, I don't i don't think they answered all the questions in the offseason and as you said, they've kind of created some new ones in a sense. Um, and the other problem is this, that we always kind of overlook is, you know, we're kind of caught in our Washington world. Like the other three teams didn't stop building, right? Like they actually did some good stuff too. Philadelphia, you know, everybody's giving them A++ pluses. you know, Dallas, um, you know, added some pieces that were important, including another receiver, Brandon Cooks. And, you know, they, their defense, by the way, was the best defense in the division last year statistically you know and you know go next level statistics dvoa they were the highest lit rated eagles were really good they had a ton of sacks added more guys who can get after the quarterback since then now they did lose both coordinators i don't know how that washes out that's seems to be fairly significant and this team we think is upgraded the coordinator but you know at the end of the day andy reed's not here uh with eric Bieniemy and pat mahomes i mean so we hope so we feel good about it you know we'll find out and um like you said the quarterback's still the biggest mystery of it all off of 19 pass attempts in a regular season game in week 18, I don't think is, you know, you, you can be hopeful and, and say there were some good things, but to be 100% sure is tough. And by the way, and I think we discussed this at the beginning of last season, 
or when the schedule came out, they had kind of a dip from the previous year's quarterbacks, right? To last year's quarterbacks that they dealt with. And this year's quarterbacks bumped back up again, again, preseason schedule, you know, everybody healthy, those kind of things, which never happens. But on paper, it is because, as you mentioned before, the division they're playing a much tougher crop of QBs, I think, overall than what they faced last year, which, you know, makes it a little bit more challenging. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers. So you can be better and not be better. <laughs> you can be better and only have seven wins. You could look better and be more aesthetically pleasing. You score more points. Um, you know, give up more points, though. I mean, you know, there's these other parts that could happen, too. So, I mean, it's not a given um, that just because they've added this, you don't start where you ended last season. You don't get to play one game to get in the playoffs, which you, you know, you didn't win last year. You don't, you don't get that. You have to start from square one. So, and we, and as we know, this team has tended to get off to really slow starts. And I don't, and I don't quite frankly believe they can afford to do that this year. No, you wouldn't think so, especially with uh, the ownership uh, change. You're right, though. We'll talk more about the quarterback situation at some point in terms of the opponents. But just looking at it really quickly, I mean, other than the Cardinals without Kyler Murray, like it's not like there's – uh, you know, Desmond Ritter in Atlanta, we'll see. But like, there's okay, not yeah. a lot of there's not a there's not a lot of spots where going. Oh, this should be uh, we that Washington should have the definitive quarterback advantage. I don't know about uh, that. Um, exactly. Scott, we don't. We, there's no mystery about what you bring to the table. Fantastic again. Uh, at Jackson Sports on Twitter, tell everybody else where they can uh, consume Scott Jackson things when they want to. Well, whenever whenever uh, they they call my name on uh, Team. <laughs> 980 or 1067 been doing a lot of sundays lately there doing some filming stuff from 980 uh although i don't think i'm going to be there on mother's day i have the day off but uh we'll be there the following sundays on 1067 and 980 because they simulcast on the weekends and um i think we doc and i will be doing some um hoffman show stuff later this month on uh, 980 as well awesome uh you rule appreciate it as always uh again lenny apologizes for his radio (laughs) No problem. Uh, My dog radio. was howling in the middle of this segment. I don't know if you caught that or not, but we'll, no, no, we'll listen were... very carefully in one of the earlier segments. Yeah. No, you're good. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks. All right. Um, so uh good stuff there from Scott, as always. To the question of have they improved? You know, I, I'm gonna sort of to a degree plead the fifth, because it's hard for me to say that they have, but the wild card is the enemy because if he really can spruce up this offense and we know the playmakers they have, particularly at receiver and running back. And I do agree that there's some interesting stuff with Sam Howe. And at a minimum, Jacoby Brissett's a totally competent, solid quarterback. He's just not a, a major difference maker, but this is where the would be a huge factor. You know, I, I don't know what to think. And I, I, I maintain that it's reasonable to, to have that stance because until you, I say this all the time when people hire coordinators, and that typically gets coordinator to be the head coach. We know it's a different deal here. But until, if the if that coach is on the same side of the ball as the head coach, it's really hard to say where one ends and where one begins and one ends, you know, that whole thing. At least in the case of the defense, Rivera you know, pretty much acknowledges he's more or less of the CEO type and Del Rio is running that show for the most part. Um but we'll see. So uh, I don't know that they've gotten better. You know, you like some of the additions. Emmanuel Forbes stands out in particular. Beyond that, we will see. Um, all right. Again, many thanks to Scott Jackson for his time. 
Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. Make sure you check out my new article up on Monday on The Athletic about uh, campaign season uh, for Ron Rivera and some others in his staff uh, as well. That is it for now for this episode of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Until next time. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.